Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Peace be upon you all. With God's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. This is your host and producer, John Nasheed at blogtalkradio.com, hosting from the beautiful city of Nourishell, New York, on this October 3rd, 7 p.m. every Thursday evening. And uh, this is the third part of a series that we have been discussing. It's called Al-Islam in America, established by former plantation slaves. And we'll talk about that a little more today on this third part. And uh, before we move on, I'd just like to say once again, we welcome you. And uh, you can reach, we could also be reached at, uh, on Facebook, uh, John Nasheed on Facebook. And also my website is nm-dp.com. And that's New Mind Development Project. Uh, you can go there and check out my website. Also, I have a link there to my blog, and you can also check that out. We have a radio program. It's WVOX.com. Uh, it's a live radio show call-in program. comes on every Saturday uh, at 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, for those local in this Nourishell, New York, Westchester, uh, upper part of uh, New York, Manhattan, uh, some parts of Queens and Jersey and also Connecticut, it's WVOX 1460 AM radio. You can tune into that. And uh, we welcome uh, call-ins and we have some very interesting topics. It's called a focus on issues of concern and how they affect our community life. Uh, today, as I mentioned, uh, in the two weeks that we've been on this topic here, Al-Islam in America, established by former plantation slaves. <clears throat> and uh, what we were attempting to do was to go back in history and show how the African-American people who came under Islam, came through Islam, uh, how we came from dust, from like the dust of the field, so to speak, to industry, or taking that dust and making it productive. And uh, this is what we're working on right now. And we want to show the history. We went all the way back into slavery. I think it was the first part we were talking about slavery in general, how many people were slaves all over the earth. It's just a way of life for people to take advantage of, you know, people who are inferior to them and power and resources and things of that nature. You know, the color divide coming into the picture, white superiority and those kinds of things. Even black people enslaved white people, Arabs and, and Africans and Caucasians in Europe, slavery, slavery, slavery. And uh, it's not one-sided. And as I mentioned earlier, the peculiar, strange institution of slavery came about with African-American people taken out of West Africa and brought to America because the difference here was that the 
African slaves who came to America on the plantations was uh, uh, the, the very knowledge of themselves was taken away from them. Actually, when they came out of slavery, they really didn't know where they came uh, where, where they came from. Their home in Africa, uh, there was no uh, connection to family life, to tribal life, and community life to Islam that we had experienced in West Africa. All of these things had disappeared, and the name that the slave master gave us, which was his name, is it, that was the only identification that we had that we belonged. To that master, so that's that cruel, cruel form of slavery, that chattel slavery that we were under, and how we manage with the guidance of God through good leadership. And Allah uh, Muhammad at first bringing us out of the darkness of ignorance and putting us on the surface of equal playing field, and Imam Wadi Muhammad coming along and teaching us from Quran and guiding us into industry. So we thank them for that. We thank God for that. And uh, slavery, as I mentioned, general, and we also spoke about the slave trade, the actual slave trade from Europe to the Americas, not only North America, but also the Spanish expeditions that took place in South America, and, uh, you know, many people in South America now, they speak Spanish. Brazilian people, they speak uh, Portuguese. Uh, us here in America, we speak English. And that's because of the Europeans coming out of their home in Europe, enslaving the people in these lands, even to today. Many people, they call themselves Spanish uh, indigenous people to South America. They call themselves or people call them Spanish. They're not Spanish. They who they are who they are. <laughs> Just so happened that they were uh, enslaved by people and put under their charge. And uh, this week we're going to talk a little about the Reconstruction period after slavery, Civil War. First of all, <clears throat> slavery, the Civil War, the reasons for the slave Civil War. Uh, the Union winning the war, reconstruction of the South, how it went, was it successful. And then after that, the Jim Crow period. And uh, and then later on, as we progress along this topic, over the weeks, we'll be talking about the nation of Islam. But before we do that, we'll also bring in, or oh, maybe around the same time, the civil rights movement. All of these things play a uh, role, a significant role in the development of Islam in this country, in the country uh, from the shores of Virginia in uh, 1619 all the way to today. And uh, God knows best. So this is God's purpose. We're not here just because America is a rich country and you know we want to have all the things that Americans have. And uh, we want to have the material advantages and you know, call, consider ourselves to be better than other folks in the third world. No, we're here by the permission of God. And we went through trials and tribulations uh, by permission of God. It was the will of God that we are here. And our past leader, Imam Wati Muhammad, he 
instructed us and taught us very clear in Quran, you know, the proper knowledge of God, proper knowledge of the devil, the proper knowledge of scripture in general, all of these things, very important. And a responsibility that we have being in America is to call mankind back to the way, call them back to prayer, the practical life, the practical prayer is the application of our life, how we live our life. I think we made some connections uh, with Bilal ibn Rabbah, who was a convert, an Abyssinian from Africa and Arabia, where he was converted. First of all, he was a slave, and then he converted to the religion of Palestine and uh, God knows where. So we want to cover this. We want to take our time cover this. You know, slavery was a is a, a very a very cruel institution. You know, it's involuntary servitude imposed on a person by another person or persons, you know, it's against the person's will. And uh God knows best. So, you know, we we're able to accept these things more uh by the amount of knowledge that we acquire. You know, many African-Americans today, you mentioned a topic like we're speaking about now. I'm talking about even some some of us who were under the leadership of Abulaz, Muhammad, Muhammad, you know, sometimes we think we have arrived. We came through that period, and, you know, they don't think we should bring up our plantation past. But everybody has a beginning and if our beginning started on the shores of North America and it just so happened to be on the plantation, then so be it. You know, we don't look back and feel that God was not with us on the plantation because actually the plantation was really designed, slavery was designed to literally destroy us, mind, body, and spirit. But we survived. That's why I have this topic today from dust, <laughs> and dust is just dust. It doesn't produce anything. There's no water in it. There's no construction. There's no development. But from dust to industry, and there's much production in industry. So be proud of what we are because God is with us. You know, in the time of, of slavery and uh, the uh, Civil War and the many events that was taking place, and as I mentioned, 1619, you know, where slavery started for us Africans in uh, Virginia, Jamestown, and uh, brought over here by the Brits, the English people, you know, for free labor, uh, indentured slavery, you know, serving out a period of time just like they had many indentured Caucasians also. After that period, they were released. Uh, but later on, uh, chattel slavery was introduced, meaning that we became the property of the slave owner. And uh, Africans at that time, nobody wants to be enslaved, and quite naturally there were Africans who were brighter than others, and uh, they, they produced publications, information, they spread it around trying to warn other slaves and, you know, let them understand that uh, freedom is what God gave to each and every one of us as human beings. And there was a publication by Samuel Sewell. It was called 
the selling of Joseph. And uh, we have a history close to the history of the uh, children of Israel and Jew, Joseph being sold to Egypt. And we know how that story progressed. And uh, in 1705, slaves were known as property or chattel. They were part of the state, a state of the master. When he sold the land, he sold his slaves right along with the land. And uh, God knows best. You know, the abolitionist movements were, movement was a group of Caucasian folks that were uh, Pennsylvania, probably Quakers, many of them, and they fought for the end of slavery. Uh, you know, some sincere and probably some not so sincere. But nonetheless, their conscience got a hold of them and uh, moved them in that direction. 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed for America's uh, revolutionary war against England. They beat England. They signed the, uh, before that, uh, they signed the Declaration of Independence, declaring their independence from Britain. And uh, remember, during that time, 1776, these people who were signing these declarations for freedom, justice, and equality were slaveholders. Never forget that. Never forget that. Always remember that. In the year 2011, the first African-American president, keep that in your mind. Never forget it. Because we understand, if we understand the Reconstruction period, our African-Americans were doing very good. They were holding positions, et cetera, et cetera. They had businesses. They were very influential. Actually, they were shining out over many of the southern white folks. And now, in a little time after that, they were thrown right back into something called Jim Crow. So don't be fooled. If you're not at control, if you don't control it from the root, from the bottom, then anything might happen. And we are most certainly not in control, even with the first African-American president. And uh, many different things. The United States banned the slave trade, but it wasn't until... Later on, that uh, slavery was uh, abolished. The Emancipation Proclamation, uh, the United States Civil War uh, with the South, the Union fighting the South, the Emancipation Proclamation, and then slavery being abolished in 1865. The question that many people ask, and when we were in school, many of us know that for a fact that we were taught that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Actually, he went and fought the Civil War for the purpose of freeing the slaves. Uh, Caucasian, British, English people in the North and English people in the South fighting against each other for us, to free us. And uh, quite naturally, we know that's not the case. You know, they taught us that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, and many of our older people, they loved, loved, loved Abraham Lincoln. And I'm not saying that we have to hate him, but I think that we really need to know the truth. So what was the truth? Was his purpose to save the slaves, or was his purpose to save the Union? You know, in a letter to Horace Greeley, he had 
made some comments. He was an editor uh, in uh, 1962 of the New York Tribune. He made some comments, and uh, Mr. Lincoln was answering them back. And I'll read a portion of it here, uh, addressing, you know, the question that I presented. He says, this is Abraham Lincoln, too. Uh, he called him the Honorable Horace Greeley, uh, dear sir. And some things he read, uh, he stated first, but I'm going to skip some. He says, as a policy, <clears throat> I seem to be pursuing, as you say, I have not meant to leave anyone in doubt. He says, I would save the Union. He said, my paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union. And it is it is neither to save or to destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slaves, I would do it. And if I if I could save it by freeing all of the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do that. What I do about slavery and the colored and the colored race, I do because I believe I believe it helps to save the union. So his whole purpose was to save the union. Common sense tells us that. I mean, we were brought here for slaves to earn people's money for free labor, and I'm pretty certain that there was no white man that would risk killing his brother for the purpose of slaves. just didn't make sense. But we have to verify things, so this is the verification. And if anybody want to verify it for themselves, it's Abraham Lincoln's letter to Horace Greeley. And uh, you can look that up. It's documented. The uh, Reconstruction period, uh, we're going to talk about some now, after the defeat of uh, Gettysburg, Getty, Gettysburg, uh, Virginia, I believe, was a very serious battle where the southern troops lost a lot of their troops. So, uh, southern uh, government lost, the uh, Confederate government lost a lot of troops in the Civil War. The Union North took control of the Confederate Confederates, which was the South, took control of their land which came under the jurisdiction of the army. It also included the slaves, which were considered property, as we mentioned before, called chattel. Chattel is a take from cattle, and we know cattle to be property, and slaves were property. You know, there was an issue uh, called Field Order, Special Field Order 15, and generals at that time, you know, they would issue certain orders in the field because uh, I guess what was expedient at that, that particular time, uh, the, the Union officers from the North confiscated the Confederate land and, distribute, and distributed them to the former slaves. This was done to humiliate the South. It also brought about deeper hatred from their former slave masters in the South. Slaves who were once 
in at the bottom uh, of the feet became the owners of their land. So you can just imagine what kind of uh, thinking went about those southern slaves. To see a slave who was actually to them, not was, but still was, uh, nothing. <laughs> he represented nothing. He was a black man. He represented nothing. And now the south or the, the, the north put the southern people's land in the hands of these slave people. Uh, a general called William Sherman, and he was the commander of a New York a contingent of fighters that went into the South. And he was very aggressive, and war is brutal. And he set South Carolina and Georgia and many other places on fire. He literally burnt it down, burnt it to the ground. I remember my mother used to talking about, about Georgia burning down South Carolina and parts of Georgia and Columbia and uh, Savannah, Georgia. He just literally destroyed it and literally destroyed and captured South Carolina and Georgia during the Civil War. He issued a field order, and this field order was called Field Order 15, number 15, where he allocated Confederate land to the free black slaves each family was given 40 acres in productive lowland. They call them the lowland. My mother lived in South Carolina, but she lived in the highlands. The lowlands was on the coast, you know, the water, where the water was. And, uh, they, they had an opportunity to uh, plant rice and uh, fertile soil, etc. And... Uh, in Savannah, Georgia, North Carolina, and, and uh, Buford, South Carolina, Charleston, Savannah, all of those coastal areas, productive, 40 acres, and many of us know about the 40 acres and a mule. This is what we're still looking for. It was allocated by Sherman at that time, and then history shows us what took place a little while after that. So those sea islands, Buford, you know, me and my wife, we visited Buford and Charleston and uh, some of those areas. And many of the people there now, African-American, they call them Geechees, are still fighting to hold on to their land. And they come at them. And every time they come at them, the people join together to fight them in court and pool their resources, give fundraisers to raise money to hold on to their very valuable land. It's valuable land. And uh, we're still fighting for that 40 acres and a mule. It was believed that the Union government was providing them with land. Uh, did President Lincoln fight the Civil War, as I mentioned earlier, uh, fight the Civil War with the South for the purpose of freeing the slaves, or did he fight it to save the Union? And quite naturally, we know he was fighting that war to save the Union. Actually, saving the Union means that the division took place. And one thing, America, I give them full credit, they always managed to hold their country, 40 or 50 states, as one federally. They operate locally or as states, 
but the federal, they hold hold it together because anybody with any kind of intelligence know that anything divided will soon fall. So President Lincoln, he was uh, taken on a position, he took on a position that his the position held that he should hold the country together as best he can. So that's what he did. But let's not confuse it. I'm not saying that what he did was wrong. Right? That's, his, that's his job. That's his responsibility as president. But don't come to the mind that the reason he fought the battle with his fellow men or fellow countrymen was to slave, save the slaves. No, that's completely false. By his own statement, and uh, God knows even better. After Lincoln's assassination, the president was Andrew Johnson, not Jackson, Andrew Johnson, who became the president. Uh, he more or less continued Abraham's Lincoln. He had a plan called the 10% plan, and that plan was to pardon white southern rebels wholesale. See, once they, they won the war, they wanted to get back to business as usual because a house divided, quite naturally, is going to fall. So they wanted to put things back in place. You know, that 40 acres and a mule, that field order didn't mean anything to them. Actually, eventually, they rescinded that. What about the black slaves' victims in the South's Civil War? Well, you know, as I mentioned, there was not too much, not too much concern for that. I mean, if it meant that freeing them would save the Union, then he'd free them. But if you felt that it wouldn't, then he wouldn't free them. Simple as that. In 1865, President Johnson signed a proclamation which insisted that all confiscated land should be returned to its former owners. This is the history, and I mean, we should check it out and understand. And what are we leading to with all of this? You know, we've got to start talking about slave history, plantation life, things of that nature. We're talking about where we came from as a people, as an African-American people. We came from all of this. We came from all of this confusion. And many things that we did have educated people, even during that period, but we didn't understand the politics and things that were taking place at that time. And as a result of this, this is what produced us to where we are now, Islamically. And I'm not speaking, I'm quite naturally we have Christian, African Americans, and others, but we're speaking specifically to the Al-Islam in America from the slave plantations and how we evolved over that uh, period of time. Because, I mean, Christianity was the religion of the master. They were Protestants. And this is why many of our people are Protestant. They're Baptists. They're not Catholics. Some of them later on became Catholics, but basically we as a people were Protestants. We were Baptist Protestants, but nonetheless Protestants because the Protestants came here to get away from the Catholic Church because they felt that they were being oppressed and they had the protests. Uh, Martin Luther King, I mean, not, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther uh, this is what Martin Luther King named himself after, I believe. So 
the Christian, we always had that religion. I mean, we didn't have the proper understanding. We were taught the religion based on the slave master's indoctrination, but nonetheless, we had that. But Islam is so significant because it's returning us back to where we were originally, as far as religion is concerned, on the west coast of Africa, returning back to our religious origin. And uh, most certainly God knows better. So this field order 15 issued by General Sherman, and these field orders, you know, he's he's really the man in the field, but the 40 acres and a mule was rescinded by President Johnson. Rescinded mean that it doesn't have any effect. So here's the African-American uh, people, black people, black slaves at that time, with no land, uh, freedom, but no land, no mule to to farm the lands, etc. And uh, the slave eventually had to come back and become sharecroppers. This is a humiliating life. That's why we say from dust to industry. Because Islam is a religion or way of life not only for African-Americans or us who call it, but for all human beings to accept. It's a natural way of life for human beings. Actually, it's the very nature of human beings. It gives you the principles for life. And anybody who follow it, right now, you're going to be successful. The Southern states' leadership then passed what was called Black Code Laws to limit the freedoms an option of the former slave. And keep in mind that all of this is done under the watchful eyes of the North, the ones that are supposed to be the saviors of the slaves. And this is around 1860s. And there's a whole another hundred years that has to pass in misery and suffering until the Civil Rights Bill is passed. Right under the watchful eyes of the American government, in Washington, D.C. So they had a law, the Southern States Leadership, uh, Black Code Laws, and they put their own little legislation, I guess, together to limit the freedoms and options of the former slaves. You know, this kind of opened the door, at least cracked the door for Jim Crow and the Ku Klux Klan to step into the picture not too soon after that, in the Reconstruction period of the South in the 60s and 70s, 1860s, 1870s, about the first uh, 10 years after the war, called Reconstruction. And the Reconstruction was Washington's uh, um, plan to reconstruct the South, you know, just like if they start a war in Afghanistan or Iraq, which they did not, if they did, they did. And after the war, they have a responsibility to reconstruct the country. They bomb it up all they want, but that's their responsibility to reconstruct. And normally they leave somebody in their place like a puppet regime. You know, they're not going to spend all that money just for nothing. But this is what happened in the South. They wanted to reconstruct 
And a part of that reconstruction definitely had to be the African slave. See, that's where the problem comes. Reconstruction would have went by very smoothly, <laughs> but it didn't go very smooth because it had to uh, consider the black slave. And during that period of Reconstruction, the black slaves made much, much, much progress. Matter of fact, very fast. We're only talking about, say, 10 years. It probably wasn't even full 10 years. Uh, In politics, how many of us know that there were legislators, governors, right, people in Congress? I'm talking about African-Americans, very powerful people back in those times. Uh, Business people who were very, very productive in their businesses. And owners of property, you know, great tracts of land, own productive land. And many, many, many during that period of time, there were many African Americans who became very, very rich. And their families are rich right today. But just like in the African American where, excuse me, just like in the Civil War where President Lincoln had the frame of mind to say that he would fight or free the slaves to save the Union, then the African-American communities were divided. The rich went their way, and the peasant field workers, the sharecroppers, went their way. And we see it today. We see many, many African-Americans who are rich, and many of them as a result of this period of time in the South. They took their money and ran, you know, the uh, carpetbaggers, the scalawags, and people of that nature, some African slaves who uh, had an opportunity to benefit from their Reconstruction period, those are the ones that really got over. And those are the ones that drew this period of time called Reconstruction to a close, to a, a, a close in, in, in that period of time. Blacks appear to be doing very well, doing better than slaves or, excuse me, the white, uh, poor white people in the South. Probably many people, landowners in the South, uh, blacks appear to be doing much, much better than them. And quite naturally, this troubled many of the Caucasian slave owners and non-slave owners, very troubled, because this we, we, ha- we have to be true when we look at history, because many of these ignorant white people in the South, this was their way of life. See, a white black man was a servant. A black woman was servants. They were better than them even if they were poorer than them. That's how they grew up. That's all they ever knew. People were very ignorant. And they didn't understand. And this was their lifestyle. So to see a black man taking their wealth and having more wealth than them, this troubled them. Very serious trouble for Caucasian people in the South. The black former slaves' hasty gains were short-lived. And as I mentioned earlier, the carpetbaggers. Carpetbaggers came from the North. And they call carpetbaggers because they used to carry these big bags with their possessions in it. And the bags were a heavy material like a carpet that's on the floor. And they were fast talkers and con men, etc. And I guess any time that there's money 
that's being channeled into the society, and these types of people come out, and also people that they call scalawags in the in the South who took advantage of the South, and they capitalized off of the, out of their uh, the progress of their own people, and this fueled the hatred even more amongst the poor Caucasian people or people who have lost the war. Lincoln's uh, opponents were outraged. They declared the South unreconstructed. They refused to seat newly elected congressmen and senators and began impeachment proceedings against Lincoln's successor, President Andrew Johnson. This party was called the Radical Republicans. Radical Republicans addressed the problem, problems of rights of free slaves. They passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which abolished slavery and the right to vote, uh, not limited to race. Uh, abolitionist by the name of Thaddeus Stevens uh, during slavery, he argued that the property of the former slave owners be given to former slaves. And he was Caucasian. These were Caucasian people we're talking about. He says, was this a good or a bad thing? Was this a good idea or a bad idea? Now, keep in mind the mentality of Southern whites. If you put it in that perspective, then that was a bad thing because it infuriated Southern whites to the point where they came up with the Ku Klux Klan. They were going to fight against it. You know, anytime your 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 way of life, your property, your family is infringed upon, anybody that have any sense <laughs> would rise up and fight against that. And you see how politics is being played here. And uh, God knows best. African Americans shared his view. Uh, they wanted to vote. They wanted to be educated. They wanted back what slavery had taken from them for, for 200 years. And quite naturally, we could understand that. <laughs> you know, if we were there as African Americans in the South, quite naturally, we want back what was taken from us. So we see these two kinds of mindsets. You know, one wants to hold on to their way of life. They want to hold on to what they had, and the other ones want to be free of that. Now, you know, what I always, what troubled me all the time was, while these things were going on, where was the American government? Where was Washington, D.C.? Because we're getting ready to go into a period here called uh, Jim Crow. Jim Crow lasted 100 years. Actually, it's referred to as 100 years of lynching, and that's when things really, really got heated. You know, uh, uh, ex-Confederate uh, named Nathan Bedford Forrest, who formed the Ku Klux Klan in 1867, and that's after the abolishment of, of slavery. Uh, white supremacists began uh, to terrorize, began terror against 
racial equality and African-American political gains. They terrorized. And when we say terrorize, and Ku Klux Klan, for those who don't know, and all of us should know, but Ku Klux Klan were people who considered themselves to be Christians, Baptists, not Baptists, but Protestants nonetheless. And they put hoods over their head, and they went out at night, and they rode around, and uh, they weren't defying the law because many of them were the law. And uh, they did midnight rides on African-Americans' homes, they went into the homes. They burnt the homes in some cases. They killed the man, sometimes the women. They hung them. They planted crosses on the uh, on the uh, yards and just terrorized. And, you know, just keep in mind today that America is uh, at war, war on terror. You know, it kind of tickles you sometimes, too. you you got to put some humor into the picture keep you from being so angry. You know, one of the greatest terrorist movements that ever took place on earth is that war, the war on terror with somebody else. It, it really kind of, you try to try to make it humorous <laughs> so you can kind of bear it. But nonetheless, this is history. This is what took place. They denounced northern carpetbaggers and they said uh, who, who they said had come from the down to the south to fatten on their misfortune. Southern, so, southern and northern newspapers began to recount stories of corruption and mismanagement in the Reconstruction state government. The gener- generation of abolitionists, and we get right back to Thaddeus, uh, Thaddeus uh, Stevens, he says, increasingly Northerners began to lose the will to uh, implement Reconstruction policy. Now, they're getting a little weak here now. It says, most had never favored racial equality and now regard the elevation of former slaves as a mistake. Northerners nervous about land Confiscation generally argued that the right to vote would be enough to protest the political and economic rights of African Americans. Now keep that in mind because actually that's all we want now. Uh, All we want is to vote. We send buses around to the projects or wherever, registration campaigns, etc., you know, we're not looking for any land. Why aren't we looking for land? Why are we looking for power? Where does power come from? Power comes from land. Power comes from ownership. Power don't come from voting for folks. You know, we we they give us the right to vote, and who do we vote for? We vote for their choice. And actually, as I mentioned, President Obama, from 1965 to 2000 Eight, I believe, the first African-American president of the United States of America. And he's not standing on solid ground, not African-American based solid ground. He's still standing on the ground of the slave master. You know, like it or accept it or leave it alone. It doesn't make a difference. That's an actual fact. 
He's not standing. His support doesn't come from anything other than those who have been in control of this society ever since its inception. By 1975, Reconstruction was over in all but name. Most African Americans had been reduced to agricultural laborers or sharecroppers. By 1990, African American voting had almost entirely ceased, took the vote even away, lacking an economic base in property as pointed out in 1992 African Americans found voting rights a flimsy protection easily removed. And then even after that we began the fight for voting rights to vote for civil rights. And Malcolm X, I think he said it very clear, clear to anybody I ever said, you know, we waste we wasted our time for civil rights when we should have been fighting for our human rights. And why did he say that? He said that because that's what was taken away from us more than anything else in this peculiar form of slavery. This peculiar, strange form of slavery, our humanity was taken away from us. So that's what we should have been fighting for, to restore us as human beings. Now remember, they called us to justify their treatment against African-American slaves. They called us three-fifths of a human being. And they did it for other reasons, too, uh, voting, uh, political reasons to use us uh, for uh, voting, but not give, not even allowing us to vote, but using us for the vote. So how do you count the black people or slave people on your plantation? Count them as three-fifths of a human being. So if you're only three-fifths of a human being, then quite nasty, you can justify calling them chattel or cattle or property. And this is a movement that has been taking place from for us Africans that are coming out of West Africa from 1619. Actually, I would even go as far as to say to present in most cases. For those of us who are still in the dark, if you're in the dark, actually you're still in slavery. So uh, God knows best. Uh, Reconstruction period, 1600s, 1860s to 1870s, you know, and then out of that came, after the Reconstruction came, Jim Crow. And Jim Crow was a period of 100 years, as I mentioned earlier, 100 years of lynching. And Jim Crow was, uh, the law was passed, the Emancipation Proclamation was passed, but they accepted or tended to accept it or pretended to accept it us as equal but separate. They separated everything. They divided. President Lincoln, this is what really disturbs me because the whole purpose of President Lincoln and the Union government was to keep the Union. And how could you allow a people after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, how could you allow the people in the South to separate the slave from the slave owner? They're supposed to be free. They're supposed to be 
freedom, justice, and equality for everybody. But this took place for 100 years. And actually, Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement, they had to fight against Washington, Washington government, just to get the Civil Rights and the Voters' Rights Act passed. I think it's a shame. Like my, my grandmother used to say, it's a shameful God. It's a shameful God in the presence of God. <laughs> and uh, and we're still struggling. You know, civil rights, what does that mean today? What does civil rights mean to a person who don't understand his human rights? The Constitution uh, that was formed by this government, they call it your inalienable rights. But if you're an adult, that doesn't even apply to you. Actually, the language is such a language that Many of us don't even know what that means, inalienable rights. It means your God-given right. Now, why didn't they just say your God-given rights? They're Christian people. Why didn't they use the language that your God, this is your God-given right? Because Christian slave people, they believe in God. So if they say that this is your God-given right, they would have been demanding the rights that everybody else had that was in the Constitution. Very shrewd, very shrewd, shrewd behavior. But nonetheless, as I mentioned so often, God knows best. So the Reconstruction period, the blacks' accomplishments and the demise in that period, political, they had uh, political gains, although it wasn't political power, but nonetheless political gain. Business gain, although it wasn't business power, nonetheless business gain. Also, property and blacks' uh, position came over the position of whites in the South. You know, legislate. Legislate is one who make laws. And then out of that, Reconstruction, at the end of the Reconstruction, the Ku Klux Klan rose up. And quite nasty, seems like a strange idea, just like Hitler in Europe in, uh, in the 40s. You know, he's making a lot of noise. Nobody paid him any attention at first. But when he seen, when his message was getting to the people that your rights are being infringed on by another people, then the people began to rally on to his voice. And before you know it, he had millions of people, millions of followers. Same thing with the Ku Klux Klan. They had a great following. <clears throat> people who were fighting with their mentality was fighting for their land, their way of life, and their ownership. And this hundred years of lynching during this Jim Crow period, please, if anybody is listening, even if it's one person, listen to this. Teach your children our history, because if you don't, they will not be successful in school. They can't be successful. They'll come out of school inferior. But once you teach them the history, it's not a shameful history. It's a dignified history. We're still here, and we're still fighting for excellence. And as long as God put breath in our body, that's what we're going to do, fighting for excellence. Now, if we know the number of people, hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of black men, women, and children lynched, burned, hung on the trees, burned, set on fire, in the presence of families, families came out to watch the lynchings, the burnings. They came out to watch 
babies being cut out of the womb of the mother and stomped into the ground while eating refreshments. There's pictures. I have pictures of that, real pictures, not fabricated pictures. And my my age, I'm born in 1941, Emmett Till, my age, came from Chicago and went down into Mississippi, Mississippi Delta. And he, they, they said that he had whistled, whistled at a white lady. And he was like, what, 14 years old, a kid. And they came to the house at night. They took him out of the house. They took him to a barn. They beat him brutally. And they pushed his face into a fan. And it's a fan without the protective front. And it scarred his face up so bad and threw him in the river, the Mississippi River. And later they found him. And the pictures that they had in a little Jet magazine. I think Jet just had an anniversary. They've been around here a long time. And may God bless that little magazine. They survived. African-American stories. Little, little magazine. But I remember that picture in the Jet magazine of Emmett Till and his scarred face, how they lynched him. And quite naturally, they went to court and they were found innocent. As I mentioned, everybody in the town was the Ku Klux Klan, so it was a travesty of justice. So uh, God is the best knower. This is what keeps us going. So the story of Emmett Till and all the rest of these stories that we try to hide from as a people, we don't want to face it. We don't want to look at it. Face it. Teach it to our children. Our children are strong enough for that. They have to know it. They have to know where we came from so they can know where we have to go. We can't be satisfied just being on the equal footing of white folks. Or I can read as good as the white kids in the class. We don't want to read as good as them. We want to read as better than them. Or I, I know science, man. just like the white kid in the classroom. That's not sufficient. We want to own our own land. We don't want to be mortgaged out to other folks. We want to own our own food, <laughs> our healthy food, halal food as we eat, meats and vegetables and things of that nature, formulate our own curriculum for schools, etc. That's where we need to be, because as long as you're under or competing with a slave master, you're still a slave on a plantation. This is God's plan to bring us to where we are now, through Jim Crow period, and coming into the civil rights period, which we'll talk about in this next segment, which would be the fourth segment. We're going to talk about the whole civil rights movement, the great people who risked their lives, nonviolent. I wasn't a part of them. I was a part of the Nation of Islam at that time. But nonetheless, we can see in God's plan how the Nation of Islam, the Civil Rights Movement, the Black Panthers, more militant organization, they complemented each other. And I thank God. I didn't have that kind of understanding then, but I have it now. And uh, God knows best. So keep this in mind in closing here, that the Emancipation Proclamation that was issued uh, by the president became law. But you can't uh, legislate a person's freedom. It's, it's, it's a, it is your, freedom is your inalienable right. It comes from God. You don't have to ask permission to be free. You're already free. God 
made you free. And God didn't make any man to be over another man, to enslave another man. So keep that in mind. Emancipation proclamation. Take that out of our uh, our mindset that we were freed by Abraham Lincoln. No. You're always free if you want to be free. And if you don't want to be free, then you'll be a slave. But I call you out to be free. And a free man produces for themselves. As he looks out after his family, but he also looks out after his people. And after he looks out for his people, then he looks out for society. God knows best. So we thank you for being with us this evening. And may God always bless you all and bless your families. May God bless every citizen in this world because we all belong to one human family. God made us different, not to despise one another, but to know one another, and by knowing one another, share with one another. So we thank Allah, we thank God for blessing us in this time that we're living, and we also thank the President of this United States to uh, be strong enough to compete with all of the forces that's working against him. But even if he can't compete with it, we know that God can. So we thank you, and we're looking forward to uh, being with you again at a later date to continue the topic that we're addressing here today is Alice Long in America, established by former plantation slaves. And as I mentioned, the next segment we're going to go into the uh, civil rights movement, and then after that we're going to be talking about the whole nation of Islam and the Ambalaj of Muhammad since 1930 up to 1975, and also the world community of Al-Islam under the leadership of Imam Barthi Muhammad from 1975 to 2008. So once again, thank you and peace be upon you all.